A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest is a multi-genre author from horror, urban fantasy, and romance. Her years of experience at Boston's oldest psychic salon doing readings and her encounters with the supernatural have inspired many novels. She's a lover of all things dark and goth. Vampires, grim reapers, and other paranormal creatures tend to end up in her books no matter how hard she tries to keep them away. She currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina with her hubby and her two dogs. By day, she is conquering the world of commercial insurance, but by night, she listens to the voices in her head telling her which rabbit holes go down <laughs> to find a perfect plot button. Ladies and gentlemen, Crimson Heart, Crimson, what is going on? Not much. How are you doing, Chris? It's nice I to be here. Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you for being here. So first and foremost, 2020. We are past <laughs> the halfway mark of the year and we are still at an unsure place when it comes to the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. I know some states are doing better than others when it comes down to slowing the spread of the virus, but as a country, we haven't yet been able to fully slow down the spread um, nationally. So how have you been holding up during this pandemic? Oh, man, it is hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had a writing group that, you know, we'd see each other once a week. And oh, wow. I yeah, I haven't seen them in five months. Um, you know, you mentioned I do commercial insurance. So a couple of days during the week, I was in the office, not doing that no more. I'm just working from home, which is mm. fine. It's just the two dogs get on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> 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 but I, I think the the hardest thing really is just not really going out and seeing everybody and actually, right. you know, having the physical contact and. And also, too, I, I can't go home. Um, my husband and I, we're both from Massachusetts, and we've had some things happen, you know, in the in this time. So we can't actually go home to be with family. So, so that makes it harder. Right. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll figure it out soon. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, you mentioned a writer group. Um, so how has that pandemic affected you as an author and obviously as a business owner because you are an author yeah it, it's um affected me more on i think on the, the mental health side it, it's really hard to to focus um where i have all of these great plots in my head um wanting to get down on paper but it's with, with everything, the stress of it is just, right. it's very difficult for me to sit down and focus for long periods of time and get, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand words in, where, which is what I was doing, um, you know, whether it's once or twice or three times a week, because I, I try to write when I can. So it's it's difficult. And of course, a lot of people have more time on their hands. So some people are reading, but there's the other side of it too. You know, whereas a business owner, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. So they're not really going out and buying anything, which, right. you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to actually, my husband and I are both still working and none of, we haven't been laid off, but um, on the book side, yeah, it's really slowed down. So I just more try to write for me and to stay sane. All right, absolutely. So before we get into Crimson, the author, I want to quickly talk about life, doing psychic readings, and also the supernatural uh, encounters. So sure, where, sure. Where did psychic readings start. When did that start? 
Um, well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, back in in the days where there were chat rooms on CompuServe, um, you know, <laughs> dating me back twenty years or so, um, <laughs> I was um, kind of coming into the fact of. I, I could see things and hear things and know things that people didn't. So I had found a kind of an online psychic group that was teaching uh, how to like control abilities. And it was just like an online workshop and the run, uh, the main gentleman who was running the workshop, we were talking um, one day after the class had finished and he's like, Oh, I really want you to come in and, and to interview uh, as a psychic, I'm like, okay, that'd be great. But, um, you know, I'm still in high school and he's like, okay, well come in with your mom and, you know, we'll sit down and, and we'll see how you do. So, um, he was in Boston and I only lived like an hour or so away. So we went up and I went into this, you know, tea room, which was, um, it was set up with different rooms and psychics had their own tables and, uh, so he brought me back and sat me at one of the tables and had me interview one of the psychics, which meant like I had to give her a reading and I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because I hadn't really, you know, I'd messed with cards and tarot cards and runes, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So, um, so anyways, I, I did the reading for her and... Um, after the reading, he sat me down again because it was the first time I was meeting him in person too. And he's like, well, I want to hire you. I'm like, well, oh, wow. yeah. So he's like, well, that I'm like, you know, that that'd be awesome. Um, but I'm still in high school. He's like, well, as soon as you graduate, you have a job. So two days after I graduated high school, I was in Boston and I was learning the ropes on how to actually read professionally and kind of channel the gift that I had and get a handle on it. So, um, they became my second family and, uh, you know, I learned how to read tarot cards and runes and tea leaves and, you know, um, crystal balls and, um, technically I could probably read spaghetti. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of all the same after a while. Um, I, n I never really got the hang of astrology. It just, my brain didn't really click with it, but um, yeah, it was great. Um, saw some ghosts, still see ghosts, still talk to the dead, did some seances. We used to be hired out for um, parties, weddings. Um, we'd work with a local radio station. So we did some events for them at some concerts. Uh, so it was definitely an interesting time in my life. Um, now I'm obviously not doing that as a profession, but I can't really turn it off. So well, I'm gonna say that's not really something that's gonna go away. <laughs> right, right. It it doesn't go away, but um, one of the reasons I stopped doing it is because at the time I was in college and I did it through my college years, and I was in um, in school for creative writing. So it was kind of like. Where do I want to put my energy? Do I want to continue doing readings or do I want to focus on writing? Because for me, the creative energy and the psychic energy are they're kind of the same. So I ended up focusing more on the writing and kind of turning the dial down on the psychic stuff. But it, it's always there. Now, was that scary for you? Because obviously you said you like, you were in high school when you were start getting these, these type of encounters. So like that being out of the norm, was that scary the first time that started happening? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, the first thing I actually remember seeing, I was, I was three and I was at my grandmother's house and it was sometime in, I don't know if it was the morning or night. I, I was too little to re remember what time of day it was, but I remember looking over from my bed at the, stair rail banister and in between the spokes was a gremlin kind of sitting there curled up with mm. really big teeth and really sharp claws and um the next thing i and i kind of got really scared so I, I i guess i shut down the ability for a while and the next thing i remember seeing was again in my grandparents house and it was um 
a general, a, a guy's head um, from, I guess his chin up and same deal. I was in the same bed, well, in the same bedroom looking out and where he would have been standing. He had to be either standing on the railing um, or he would have been like seven or eight feet tall. So there was, yeah. Um, I, I mean, over the years, I've lived in several different haunted locations. Uh, we lived in one house that there was a little ghost girl that would walk up and down the stairs. Uh, saw her a few times. She was kind of freaky. She didn't really do anything. She was playful. She'd um, play with a thermostat, get me in trouble, play with the lights, um, call my name, um, mess with the tenants downstairs. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I've gotten... Uh, I've gotten pulled um, off, like nearly pulled off my bed at my, again, at my grandparents' house. Um, Another time we lived in another apartment where above us, you could hear furniture and moving around and voices. And there was nothing up there except an attic that was empty. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's some stories. Uh, Did anyone else in your family have this gift as, as well? Um, my mother is a little sensitive, um, but nothing to the extent that I I am. Um, she'll sense things about people once in a while, but she said mostly when she was younger, she would kind of feel things or see things once in a while. Um, she actually, because I had told her about the little girl in, in the house at the time, and she never mentioned anything until... About six years ago, we were having a conversation about all this stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, I saw her, you know, a couple times, too. I'm like, gee, thanks, Mom. You could have told me, you know, when right. I was 16, <laughs> not when I'm like 35. Right. <laughs> but um, um, other than that, um, my brother, he'll have visitations in his dreams from our grandfather but um, and, his, and his grandmother. Um, but nothing to the extent where all of the stuff that I kind of deal with. Mm. No, now what's your, now how do you react? Like, how do you adjust to life um, with these gifts? Because if I get pulled out of the bed, I'll be, <laughs> so like, oh, I wouldn't yeah. want to go back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my grandparents' house, well, the, their first house they lived in for 18 years where, a lot of the activity happened. Um, you know, there, there was something in the closet and I don't know what it was. I just knew it always had like this menacing feel to it. And my situation growing up was I, I lived with my grandparents for several years. Um, I was there every weekend, every summer I was there for weeks on end. So they were actually like my safe place to go. Um, so I didn't really have a choice in the fact of, you know, I had to deal with it or, or not. So to me, um, at late at night when I'd be up and they'd go to bed, I would always, always have to like go to different places that had light. So if I was up late watching TV, I'd have the light on. And if I went to the kitchen, I'd like run into the kitchen and turn the light on. And so once the light came on, light meant safety and protection. So whatever was following me, it it wouldn't be there anymore. Okay. So that that was that. Um, and in other places, it kind of just depended on, you know, the little girl. She didn't really bother me. The other thing that came out of the closet at the house, it stand by the end of my bed. It was just something I kind of had to deal with. I didn't really have a place to go. So. I stayed at, at high school a lot, so I was involved in a lot of clubs. Um, so I just so I didn't have to go home. Um, so it just depended on the situation. Uh, you know, one year I lived with a with a friend off and on, and her place was like super haunted, and it wasn't anything menacing, so it was fine. You know, we'd see stuff flying through her barn, and stuff would move upstairs, it'd move across her dresser. We'd watch old jewelry go back and forth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't menacing. It was just kind of a very old, you know, 
old farm. So. Right. So now, when did your writing journey begin? My writing journey began actually uh, back in middle school. I mean, just in general, I knew I always wanted to write. Um, I love to read, so um, my imagination was my escape. Mm. And um, the the first thing I remember writing was some kind of a ripoff of, you know, like the My Little Pony thing when I was... <laughs> <laughs> In, in middle school and then um come high school there was a, a set of books i really liked so i i wrote my own version of my own fan fiction um and then i started writing my own stuff and i forced my friends to read it <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah we'd be on the bus on the way to school I'm like here you gotta read this <laughs> all right read this before we get to school <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um so it, it writing really just became my escape and so I always knew that it was something I wanted to do and um it just kind of you know evolved through high school I um was a founder of a creative writing club they had there um and then you know from there my my English teacher she was great she encouraged it Uh, so did my my grandparents they encouraged you know the writing too they were all very creative anyways excuse me so I just knew that I, it's kind of always, I just wanted to always share my stories with everybody. So I figured, well, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to, you know, major in it in college and spend a whole lot of money and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, in, in, in college, I, great. I got my degree. I, I wrote a book. Um, and then kind of nothing happened. I sent out all the, you know, queries to agents and publishers and nothing, years and years of rejection letters, enough to plaster, you know, while pay for my bathroom. And, wow. and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that was okay. And, and finally, um, eBooks, you know, my friend's like, you really should try eBooks. You know, it was kind of the new, newer thing um, many, many years ago. Uh, so I did, I, I found a publisher and sent, sent in one of the books I had written and they're like, Hey, we like this. And that's kind of how it all started. I was, you know, working in the insurance business and I'd been there maybe six months and got the acceptance letter and I'm like, Hey, this is great. So, uh, hey. yeah. What, what was that feeling like, especially after getting so many no's to finally get a yes? Oh, it was amazing. It was, I actually remember the moment of, of, of sitting there with one of my coworkers and I was checking my email and I saw I got the acceptance letter and it was just like this big rush of joy. It was like, Oh my God, you know, I'm, my dream is finally realized I'm going to be a published author. And it was, it was amazing. You know, it's still, I mean, it still is amazing, you know, to be able to just to write and, and talk about stuff and, and have crazy ideas that some people like and you know a few people read and I'm I'm happy and frustrated but happy. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what is your current publishing status? Um, the current publishing status is that I do a lot of my books with indie with the small indie presses. Um, yeah. And then a lot of the backlist that I have now, <clears throat> I'm actually going to be able to self-publish. So um, over the years, I've been with like 15, 12 to 15 publishers. A lot of them have closed. So I have a, a decent backlist. And so I, I'm finally in the position to put them back out. Oh, really? Um, Right, yeah, because you know it, it takes money to do that. So. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> right. Yes, <it> does. <laughs> um. So yes, I have one um small indie press that I do most of my romance stuff with, and the horror and the dark fantasy. It just kind of depends um, who wants it because it's mm. different. Right. Right. Now, being a multi-genre author. 
how do you know which because obviously some genres have so much imagination in it, especially the fantasy, even the horrors. Um, so how do you know which genre you want to focus on? Because obviously there's there, there's also um different success points with, with each of them. They're different they're different reader groups um with each of them and some of them are more way more involved than others. You know what I mean? So horror yeah. readers they they are involved fantasy readers are very involved and I would say romance even readers yeah. are very involved there's so many groups that are very involved and, right. and obviously they've gotten to the point where they they want the content so how do you know which genre to really focus on or, or do you just go by which, whatever idea comes up it's mostly kind of going on with whatever idea comes up um but i've also found over the years too that i have uh, specific characters or that want to only be um, like dark fantasy or urban fantasy with maybe like a a romance thread. Like they'll they'll have a romance, but it's not the major. It's not a romance novel. Obviously, it's just right. you know it's, it's dark fantasy. So it kind of depends. I write um, the darker stuff is usually uh, Grim Reapers or undertakers i have a supernatural undertaker series i have a grim reaper series that's out um and those are the darker things um the romance stuff at this point i more or less write it for fun uh, and, and if you know some of the titles i have they're just kind of crazy titles because it's pretty much just about having fun at this point <laughs> instead of <laughs> you know there, there's so many like you said Every single genre has their specific fan base, and a lot of that doesn't cross over, and they're completely different markets and completely different marketing strategies. And I've mostly been in the romance genre for many years. Um, so here and there, a lot of the romances have had like a darker undertone. Because that's always what I like. So it kind of just depends on what the the muse wants. If it says, hey, if this is going to be a fantasy novel, we're going to go that way. And it's just going to be darker. And, you know. What was, what was the first genre you wrote? <laughs> Technically, the first genre I wrote um, were horror novels. There was a... Uh, really? of, yeah, it was a uh, it was vampire horror novels, but if you look at the covers, they're all beefcake. So, I had sent them. So, they're listed under romance, but the series is not a romance series. It's actually a, a horror um, series. Just just because of the intensity, there's a lot of violence in it. There's, um, you know, some of the sex is like forced, but that's because of the situation. So I had sent it in and they're like, oh, th these are romance novels. And I'm like, no, they're not. But, oh, we're going to put these <laughs> covers on here. I'm like, okay, the covers are, they're great covers for romance novels, but not for these books. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's interesting you say that because I can't imagine how many authors go through that. You know what I mean? Where they try to get lumped in in something that you really, uh... It really is not that, you know what I mean? Right. So how, how do you how do you keep your um, creative freedom in a sense when you know what your brand is, you know what your 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 story is, and you know what cover would go best with the story? How do you keep that creative freedom when dealing with publishers? Um, I think it depends on the publisher. Uh, there's a lot more freedom with indie publishing with small you know smaller presses. Um, I've had a lot of input over the years in a lot of my covers. Um, you know, I'll give them three or four images that, Hey, you know, this looks good for this specific novel, uh, on the romance side. And they might use one of the images or not, or, you know, I, I one publisher knows me pretty well. So I'm just like, you know, whatever you want, she usually, you know, pegs the personality in my book pretty good 
So um, I, I can't really talk about like the bigger publishers because I don't have experience with them. Um, you know, I, I pretty much have had mostly good input with getting covers. There's been a few that I didn't really have a choice, um, but those publishers are no longer around, so I don't have to worry about them. <laughs> you know. Now, um, your catalog is impressive. You've written, you. you've written and published a lot of books. So how many have you actually, how many books have you written? Um, I guess, I guess a rough estimate because I know writers write so much that even unpublished. And how many have you published? Um, okay. So if you include the backlist of stuff that I have gotten back, um, it's over, it's well over a hundred books Wow. at this point. It's probably more than, I mean, it's probably more than that, but um, I think that the, what's actually out now is, about 75 and then wow. in the next yeah in the next i would say excuse me the next like six months i'll probably have another like six or seven out and that those will be new and old stuff so i'm, I'm trying to get the old stuff back out it, so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I used to Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, it, in the early days when I was doing, I could write. I could. I could write really fast. I could do, you know, four or five thousand words a day. Uh, mm. On a good on a good day, it was probably six or seven, and and that was working at you know the one job I had at the time, and because I'd write at work, and you know. Um, but as, as I've gotten older, my hands have kind of said, you know, we're going to slow down. So I, I can't right. write, I can't write as much and I can't do the text to speaking to text. I've tried, it just doesn't work for me. So, um, and in terms of keeping them all straight, I mean, it, some of the older ones, I don't really remember all the plot points, but I could, you know. If you told me a name, I could tell you what it's about. And going forward with the new ones, it just kind of all depends on what I'm doing at the time. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, like right now, you know, I'm working on like four different books at, you know, um, at a time right now. I have four different ones going and they're all different genres. Uh so it's kind of like juggling. Like one day I'm going to do this one and some days I do all four. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, some are easier. I mean, you know, some of the romance stuff is just like, Hey, it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. work, you know, but the, the harder stuff, I have a serial killer novel I'm working on, which has taken me a long time to write. How are you able to tap into certain characters and certain genres how are you able to tap into the the horror characters um characters like some of like some of the ones in your book um that we'll get into a little bit later but some yeah. even the, the one from your excerpt is, you know what i mean that 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 torture right. you have someone um in that excerpt being tortured and someone doing the torturing so how do you dive yeah. in those characters specifically to get so much authenticity in the writing. Um, so well, I'm not going to tell you my little side game. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't tell you where the bodies are buried. I promise. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, actually, I I love horror movies, so I've been watching horror movies since I was a kid. And that one particular excerpt um, where they're, you know, being tortured, um, I actually really like the Saw series. So I'll, first, I'll watch that um, if I'm writing horror, horror, or if I'm um, or I'll watch like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth or some really bad B movie, you know, with leprechauns or puppets or something, you know, because that kind of puts me in that frame of mind. 
And the more gruesome the scene, the more gruesome the movie, if I can find it. So Saw for me is actually pretty gruesome in terms of what they do to like the body because the cracking of bones, even though it's really cool to look at, I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I'll try to find some kind of a movie or, you know, something I've seen that I know kind of goes there and will put me in that frame of mind when it comes to like the darker stuff. Um, when it comes to more of the supernatural aspect of some of my books, a lot of a lot of it is pulled up from the experiences I've had or, you know, experiences that friends and I have had or just kind of what it, what it would be like if I were in that situation as a psychic, you know, or a medium or, you know, what would I do if I met the angel of death? How would I want to have a conversation with him? Give me one writing tip that you would give an aspiring writer. Writing tip I would give an, an aspiring writer is to keep writing until you're done. Like if you're starting a book, just write the whole thing. Um, you can go back and fix it later. Just mm. write it out um, until it's out of your head. And then you can you can go back and, and edit later. But that would be my biggest thing is to just get it out, get your idea on paper um, and keep going. You know, don't stress over it. Just go with what you got. Mm. So with, with so much experience in this industry, how has the evolution um, of this industry, the evolution of publishing, uh, self-publishing, independent publishing? How has that been from someone who's seen so many uh, levels of it? Um, it's been, it's definitely been a ride. Um, my first few years, my first five years of writing were my most profitable. Um, if you want to talk money wise, you know, um, and, and I never made like a whole lot of money, but um, I, I made enough where I could, you know, go on vacation or, um, you know, pay some extra bills uh, the first right. few years. When uh, ebooks were up and coming, Kindle really wasn't uh, a big thing. Uh, you couldn't, you know, self-publish on Amazon. Uh, there were still, I think, you know, five New York big publishers or, or six at that point. Uh, so I've seen the New York market shrink. Um, I've seen, God, the the fallout of, you know, the romance genre going through a whole bunch of changes and co trying to copyright and plagiarism and not, you know, people not paying royalties and companies going under and um, the big, <clears throat> the big romance um, publishers going under like Allura's Cave or uh, right. Mundania or Faze, uh, you know, Sam Hain. Those are all. Those were pretty big, um, and now they're just they're gone for reasons of their own. Um, a lot of people back when I first started self-publishing was not looked upon as favorably as it is now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like if you you're right. If you self-published your book, you know, twenty years ago, it's you know you were you were buying your own copies to get your reviews and paying a whole lot of money and uh, for it. And uh, so it's definitely changed a lot in technology. Of course, now everyone wants everything. And the um, it, on the romance side, I'm, I'm sure too, everyone expects stuff to be cheap or free. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't pay royalties. So. Right, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and just it, the... Amazon saying, "Hey, come and self-publish and do you know Kindle Unlimited." It's opened up a world, you know, of self-publishing to a whole bunch of people, which is wonderful. But the downside is too is that a lot of people 
don't spend the money to edit books. Um, I'm sure that some of that's changing, but there's just a lot of not so good stuff out there. So the marketplace has just been flooded and that's, I think across the genre. So it's harder to be, you know, the light trying to to shout into the, into the void saying, Hey, look, buy my book. Yeah. Yeah. We got thousands and thousands and thousands of people doing the same thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And especially for me, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm horrible at marketing. Um, I can write. I'll I'll sit there and I'll write a blog post. It's it's difficult for me to, you know, actually do the podcast because <laughs> I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. So, um, so yeah. So I'm definitely a very quiet voice in you know the booming of all of the other authors around me, and so it's it's difficult. But and and it's crazy because most almost every author I talk to says the same thing. They, they they say they're introvert and this industry has changed so much that authors have now become entertainers in a sense because people want to see you people want to like it's right. crazy right right no it is it is crazy and I, and like i you know i was having a conversation with you know, one of my writer friends and like you know like i don't really do a blog much anymore because my life is kind of boring you know these days i'm I work from home. I have two dogs, you know, um, there's not really a lot of like, you know, ghosts popping in or anything. I I don't do readings anymore. Um, so it's really just about, you know, like, Hey, look, I swept the floor today because there's all this hair or, you know, Oh, Oh, Hey, look, you know, there's, there's this new laundry detergent. I try, I mean, it's, you know, Oh, Oh, Hey, look, you know, I, I talk about insurance because that's my job, (laughs) but it's boring. (laughs) So, I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, I could, but there are some things that I don't like to talk about. Um, right, absolutely. You know, because we all have to have personal stuff. So yeah, yeah, and that's what a lot of people are lacking nowadays. Obviously, with our society, right? right. They make everything personal so public. Yes, yes. People expect that from everybody, and like, no, nah, that's not. Not yeah. the world wasn't the norm. Yeah, years ago. Right. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. It's like, yeah, I mean, I I you know, I have a Twitter account, Instagram and you know, all the stuff, but I'll post a picture of my dog, but I'm not gonna post a picture of, you know, my latest outfit. <laughs> but, but that's just me. <laughs> you know. Post every meal every meal you ate throughout the day. Oh uh, yeah. That's just not me. I mean, some people that's awesome. And I look at those pictures and go, Oh my God, I wish I could actually cook <laughs> or, or make it look pretty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but that's just not me. So <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not really doing all that in the house. Just to, <laughs> just to right. take a picture. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm going to bake, like my husband's not going to eat it. I'm like, I am not going to eat a whole cheesecake. Right. (laughs) Now, your book, Forest of Bones. Yes. Let me jump into the synopsis real quick. No problem. Kaya, right? Yes. I'll make sure I pronounce it right. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Kaya is the only one of her kind a hybrid vampire and magician. A demon from days past is trying to free its banished brethren from the dark realms by an ancient sun god. Kaya is the key to freeing them. So then we jump in um, to obviously more, more characters, but then it says old ghosts are stirred up, magic is growing wild, Mysteries from ages past resurface, revealing more questions about Kaya's heritage and how she's entwined with the demon. And it asks, can she reconcile the past or will the demon claim everything she holds dear, including her soul? So now yeah. I'm trying to I, I I'm trying to figure out where to start because I want to start. <laughs> where I want to start, I'll jump into that later, but sure. Tell me about the about the title first. Um, the title "Forest of Bones" is actually a real place in the novel. Um, 
it is something the, the title actually came from a mixture of two other book titles I had seen. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, this would be really cool. Um, as a title, it's as a title itself, which actually became a, an actual location in the book. The location in the book is, um, it comes about where this, uh, magic spell gone wrong, uh, happens and the magic kind of races along the like the ley lines of the land and rebounds and as it rebounds it sucks in all the life um, of the forest and turns everything in it into bone so all the trees are actually bone oh yeah and so it becomes a haunted forest basically because it's you know kind of cursed so what was the inspiration behind this book? The inspiration behind the book. Um, so the first scene of the book is was actually a dream I had about uh, about Kaya, and um, you know she's sitting up in the tree and she's kind of looking down at these group of hunters and they're and they're talking and um and and that was kind of the dream. I, I really wanted to find out more about you know why was she watching them what are they talking about? You know, why is she kind of drawn to them? So, excuse me, that was, that was kind of the first like aha moment of coming up with just the opening scene. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I wanted to do, I wanted to do something with vampires cause I hadn't written a uh, actual vampire uh, novel in a while that was just gritty and, you know, vampires killing people instead of the romance side so i wanted to bring the the vampires into the fantasy um the dark fantasy realm which is something i hadn't really done before Uh, so that was kind of the inspiration was like how can i take this one scene mold in the vampires and make it a fantasy novel so i kind of worked worked around that until i got the outline of the plot now the thing I the thing I wanted to to, to talk about since I, I, I since I viewed your information, sure the book book cover that book cover is amazing. <laughs> oh my god! It it, it is am- <laughs> it is amazing. Um, and I have <laughs> yeah. I actually have my publisher to thank for that. She emailed me and said, here are three book covers I think you might like. Go look, you know, go look at them and tell me which one you like. And she had already actually picked this one out. And I said, oh, that one, like, that one would work. It just kind of covers all the bases in the book. So it was, um, she had, I think she bought it from a pre-made site, pre-made cover site. Um, So... I don't really um, have the inspiration on, and, and I, I don't know the artist's name, um, but yeah, it's an amazing cover, and the publisher is definitely uh, definitely the one to thank for that. So we, we thank we we thank uh, Mocha Memoirs and Nicole over there because it is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, and it goes perfectly with your <laughs> literally goes perfectly right. with your story. <laughs> right. Yep. It, it really does. <laughs> so, what was compared to the other covers that she sent you? Did this one stand out automatically the way it does right now? Yes. Yes. It definitely. <laughs> it, it definitely stood out because this one. I mean, I never actually seen anything like it. Um, in in terms of you know the artwork and right. um the other covers were more um. I think CGI-ish almost. Um, They were more like a blend of like photo and and CGI, which is fine. I have covers like that too. It just, they didn't fit the book. And this one was like, hey, ding, ding, ding. It hits all the bells. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when it comes to this story, when it comes to Forest of Bones, what do you think makes it stand out? Not only from your other work, but from other books out there in the same genre. Right. Um, I think for me, what it, 
what makes it stand out, excuse me, is that it's, there's, there's so much in the story. Um, I probably could have written a a novel that was twice as long, uh, but that would have, you know, been a rat smasher and I'm not sure the publisher would have been happy. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, there's so much that goes on in the book. It's an origin story. Um, it tells you like where the vampires actually come from. It tells you Kaya's story. It tells you the different types of vampires that are in the book. Um, it's just, it's about, you know, the heroine, she just, she stands out a, a lot of the fantasy that, you know, usually that I see is uh, the protagonist is always is usually male. And of course, you know, she's female and she's, you know, she's this, she, she knows she can do magic, but she's never tested her powers until she's kind of put on the spot. She's always been hidden away. So it's really like almost like a coming of age story too. Or so it kind of hits a lot of buttons. Um, so I'm not sure if that, you know, is like, the big key thing that makes it stand out, but that's what it makes it, what makes it stand out for me. Right. Now, why was it important to ensure that your protagonist was a woman? I like, um, I like reading and writing about, um, as the hero that, sorry, it's getting a little late. Um, (laughs) I like reading, um, books that have, uh, heroines it, more as the as the the lead character and um, especially women that can save themselves so n- not that they don't get help from people but in the end they end up being you know becoming stronger and they they find themselves going through a transformation whether it's either gaining power emotionally or you know uh, physically or or whatever, but just that, that they're transforming. So I like to, right, that's just what I like to read. So it's what I like to write. Mm. You know, I like to have my heroines have a strong voice if possible. Um, you know, and just so, you know, and, and I can't say I don't try to put myself in there a little bit. <laughs> What date does this book drop? Uh, August 7th. So next week. Next week. Yep. And normally before the pandemic occurred, um, (laughs) authors would have launch parties and launch events for the the books. What is your plan um, for August 7th? Obviously, because we're in a pandemic and we do still have certain quarantine um, rules, regulations. Right. the plan is to spread the word far and wide as much as I am able to. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I had a, I had planned to do a reading um, of the book and, like, just post it on YouTube. Um, you know, to probably do some type of contest or giveaway, you know, one of the, one of the books or a gift certificate or something. Um, just kind of really depends. My my day job's been a little crazy lately, so I haven't really been focusing on the marketing because, mm. <laughs> unfortunately, with the pandemic, there's also a lot of insurance claims. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the time the workday comes to an end, it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to, I'm gonna do the the wife thing and yeah, you know, try to write and that. And then just maybe focus on it tomorrow. <laughs> right. Just keep pushing it. <laughs> right. And, 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 and honestly, too, um, you know, I, I moved my website over. So it took me about a month and a half to finish all, you know, all of the books and the pages and get that set up. So I've been working on that. And I think that took me, I think I finished it a couple of weeks ago. So I'm trying to reevaluate right. what I want to do for marketing in general. Now, is Forest of Bones, is this going to be a series or is this going to be a standalone? Right now, it's a (laughs) standalone. Well, right now, it's a standalone, but there are a lot of different stories that can evolve from it. 
And my, my publisher asked me the same thing if it was going to be a standalone or a series and I said, well, honestly, if it sells well, then I'll write something else. Cause right. un- unfortunately these days, that's kind of how I write. Um, unless I know, unless it's romance and if it's romance, I might plan a series, but with the, the darker stuff, it's usually, if it sells decently, I'll write you another one because I don't want the publisher to waste money on something that's not going to sell, you know, from edits and cover art. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I could write several different more stories that, that are in the world because the, the history of the vampires spans like thousands of years. So. Hmm. And what's next for you? What can we expect from you outside of Force of Bones? Um, the next thing that will be coming out, um, are two backlist books. One is a, a romance novel called Awakening the Wolf. Um, in that it is a shapeshifter kind of fantasy novel. Um, I have another one that will be put back out called, uh, Death, Death Dance, which is a Grim Reaper. Um, and psychic uh, novel, and that one uh, is also backlist. It's a more of a dark fantasy novel, um, so we're working on that right now. I'm working on a an, another book for one of my romance publishers that is um, about alien vampires, but they're you know they're fun, so that should be hopefully written in the next month or so. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell everyone where they can get in contact with you, where they can check out your website, where they can order your book. Sure, sure. I am on, uh, of course, I'm on Kindle. Um, so uh, Amazon, I'm under Crimson Heart. Crimson is C-R-Y-M-S-Y-N-H-A-R-T. So that, and that crimsonheart.com, uh, Facebook, Crimson Heart, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, pretty much all you do is type in Crimson Heart and you can find me because it's uh, a weird spelling, so it, I usually pop up. That's where I'm at. <laughs> all right, we want everybody to go out there and purchase Forest of Bones. It releases August 7th, but obviously you can pre-order it. So make sure you guys um, order the book. You will not regret it. Um, check out the excerpt on crimson's website and we want to thank you crimson for joining us today on the fiction addiction podcast well i appreciate you having me chris it was a lot of fun thank you for joining us on the fiction addiction podcast make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today as well as awesome resources additional tips and fiction addiction merchandise